<laughs> All right, now I'm hitting the go live button. And I am going to put that here. Let's grab that. And I bet it, yeah, we are, we are technically live now on Facebook. Hey, everybody. And I am going to put that here. Oh, who's sorry. video? Who's who's in my hand? I didn't know how to turn it off. Just just sorry. hit uh, the mute button on the Facebook, Sarah. We're trying a new thing on the Facebook Live. You can hit the mute button, Sarah. Um, we are going live on Facebook as opposed to YouTube. So if you watch us on YouTube normally, come over to Facebook. Um, I don't know how they'll find out, but <laughs> find out later, I guess. Uh, today we're going to talk about. Growing Beyond a Solopreneur, and we've got a very special guest. I'm excited to pick his brain as we go. Um, Brad Williams, the CEO of WebDev Studios, which is a very much <laughs> growing beyond a solopreneur. So bef before we get started, let's go around and let everybody introduce themselves. And as customary fashion, we're going to go ahead and start with ladies first. Hi, Sarah. Hi guys, I'm Sarah Oates from Endure Web Studios. I'm from Australia. You can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on all the socials. I will have a drink and try and get less croaky in the next minute. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> Is that Sarah or mine or whose? Oh, hold on a second. I'm, I'm muted, so no, I'm unmuted. My bad. I think it's you. <laughs> It was me and my headphones. I thought I was hearing somebody's TV. So forgive us. Let's let our special guest introduce himself next. Howdy. Uh, my name is Brad Williams, CEO, co-founder of WebDev Studios, a full service WordPress design and development agency. I also, I live in Philadelphia, so I also co-organize the Philly meetup group here. Um, I've co-organized WordCamp Philly for a number of years, WordCamp US, which you can see in the background there which I was very proud of. Um, I do a lot with WordPress, so very excited to be on the show. Awesome, man. Well, we're glad to have you here. Brad and I have been chatting for a while now, I guess, on Zoom and just kind of visiting and stuff, and I've been wanting to have him on for a while, so I'm so glad that you're here. Glad to Corey. be here. Hey, everybody. Um, Corey Jenkins here coming at you from Prescott, Arizona. Uh, you can find me at uh, Aspen Grove Studios dot com db dot space and other other random places i might pop up great to have brad here i've been following uh web dev studios for for a long time since i entered into the uh wordpress arena and it's it's cool to have you on so thanks thanks for joining us awesome awesome tim hey everybody tim streifler here broadcasting from Austin, Texas area. And you can find me online at timstreifler.com, divylife.com, and wpgears.com. Woot, woot. And last but not least, me. My name is David Blackman with Aspen Grove Studios, DiviSpace, wpgears.com as well. Go check out that new site we're launching. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I feel like I can weigh in a lot. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about growing beyond a solopreneur. And I know everybody on this panel, and I know that, um, you know, we've, I've kind of been fortunate enough to witness four of the five people on this panel grow their WordPress business and see them go from working 
other jobs, not even in WordPress to doing WordPress full time. And it's been pretty inspiring and awesome to witness. And then I started attending this fabulous thing called WordCamps. And Brad and I met at Camp Press, which is not a WordCamp, but it was a WordPress event out in the woods where it was an unplugged event, which was awesome because I got to meet Brad, the CEO of WebDev Studios, and um, he's got a lot of probably good experience to share with growing beyond a solopreneur and stuff. And um, I think what we'll talk about today is, you know, we'll answer some of the questions that, you know, you may have in your mind, like, you know, why would I want to consider growing beyond a solopreneur? What are the advantages of it or disadvantages of it? Maybe even talk a little bit about how do I know when it's time to do that? Or, or how do we outsource? How do we find people to grow our team and stuff? Because um, those are things that I would be interested in, you know, learning about when, when growing beyond a solopreneur. So I'm going to start, stop talking for a minute. And I'm going to let somebody else jump in here and, and, and chat. Should we, should we dive off with a question, a specific question and go in that direction? Yeah, I'll jump off with a question um, or jump in with a question. <laughs> when I think a question that a lot of people have that have been building websites uh, for a decent amount of time, when do you go beyond a solopreneur into starting to, to scale? When do you know when it's time? Um, and what, what are some of those first steps? Brad, you want to go first or? Sure. That's the big question, right? When? Um, and I don't, I think there's no perfect blueprint, right? Like there's no obvious, you know, when, when A, B and C happen, that's the time to start scaling, but there's a number of things you can, can look out for. And I think probably as we talk, all of our stories are going to have some similarities, but also some uniqueness. Um, you know, when David and I first started talking about this topic and approaching, you know, discussing it, it got me thinking about kind of my path and even the term solopreneur, I think one of the first decisions you have to make is, is, you know, are you going to grow um, a company from a freelance to a company um, and be the sole partner? And I think that's a really big decision that's, you need to think about is something. And, and there's very successful companies that have, you know, a single founder, a single person at the top. And there's, you know, very successful companies that have two or more. Um, for me, I really wanted to do it with someone, someone else. I wanted to do it with someone I trusted, someone that I could go on with, you know, a, a partner or confidant, someone that we could bounce ideas and questions and thoughts and whatever off each other. Um, and so that's what we did. I, we started web dev studios, you know, traditional kind of coffee table startup, uh, with no clients, um, Looking back, we didn't really have a good plan, which is a, was a little bit stupid on our part. But uh, we knew we could build websites, and we'd figure out a way to make it work, right? So, how many people did you start with? Just me and him. Um, yeah. I I left my company. I was working at a company, uh, Batteries dot com, selling the, the exciting world of selling batteries online <laughs> uh, <laughs> to start it. So I dove in and went full time, and he kind of went part time. So he stuck at his job. Um, but it allowed me to move in with him to offset costs and things like that. So, um, so really we're about one and a half people. Um, and, and that's how we started. And I think, I think that's a big decision that maybe a lot of people don't think about early on is they just think, Hey, I want to start a company and grow, but are you going on your own or not? And I think it's a big one that people should think about before they, before they jump off and do it is, is do they want to do it alone? 
Um, doesn't mean you can't bring in a partner later on, but I think it's a big decision at the very beginning that you should think about. Yeah. And I think, I think just looking here at the panel, you know, um, three of us are, have went the partner route and two of us are solo preneurs. I would say I would define it as the, the, the solo company owner, but all of them have grown beyond a solopreneur because I think if I'm not wrong, everybody here has people that are working on their team and working with them um, in varying degrees and stuff. So Tim and Sarah, for example, are, to my knowledge, they're the sole owners of their company. Corey and I are obviously partners and Brad, he has a partner with web dev studios. So, um, so how long have you guys been around? Sorry. Can I just ask some more questions? How long have you guys been going for? And like, are you guys still the only partners down the track? Yeah, so we actually just had our 10-year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Nice. So, yeah, we thank you. It's a pretty big milestone. We started in 2008, um, you know, full-time um, as an official company. So, yeah, 10 years. Um, and we grew from, you know, or have grown from, you know, that one, two people beginning um, to, you know, over 30, 30 team members all over the country. So, um, you know, for us early on, you know, my partner at the time, Brian, um, we were both developers, back-end developers. You know, we could build a lot of cool stuff, um, but we were really missing the design component, the visuals. Neither one of us were really good at that. Um, we could kind of hack our way through it. but So that was kind of the next evolution was really identifying where we lacked and, and figuring out how to plug that hole, right? And design was it. So that was our first hire was um, a designer, a front end dev, someone that could kind of take the zeros and ones that we were, you know, spitting out and make them look really, really nice. Um, so I think that's another early, early kind of decision you need to look at is what gaps do you have in your skill set? We don't know. Not everybody can know everything, right? So I'm yeah. sure all of us have strengths and weaknesses when it comes to tech and web. Um, so very early on, we realized that was a gap we need to fill pretty quickly um, if we were going to grow this company. So, so that was our first hire was a develop, uh, a designer and a front end dev. Nice. Awesome. I, I wanted to say something, um, to what you were saying, uh, with the last question, Brad, regarding having a partner, someone that owns a company with you that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, cause as David mentioned, I'm, I'm a, a solo owner. And so I have my own company. I don't have a, a partner. And sometimes I, I really do crave and, and kind of wish that I had mm-hmm. someone else to bounce ideas off of, you know, have someone else that like, you know, has a, a vote and can, you know, help me make decisions. Um, because as a business owners, there's so many different decisions, things that you don't anticipate having to make decisions and how often you have to make decisions throughout Mm -hmm. the day. And so it it can be like very draining having to always be, you know, the, the top dog. Um, and so just kind of throwing that out there from my own experience, I think there's pros and cons because on the flip side, I enjoy having, like there's no one to disagree with. And, you know, if I think it's the right way, then it's the right way. <laughs> Final um, say. Yeah. Wait, and so wait, I think there's pros Jimmy, and cons. Definitely. I am married. Cons. That's true. And, and actually my, my wife is my CFO, my chief feedback officer. And so I'll <laughs> he'll tell me whether or not it sucks or not. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because I mm-hmm. think, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a huge value in having that, that partner um, to, to bounce ideas off of. 
I have a, a friend, David, his name's David Loki. He runs, uh, maybe you've heard of it, Pragmatic over in UK. Uh, very big, like 50 plus person, maybe 60 plus person agency. Um, Solo founded it, you know, uh, runs the company. And I always ask him like, man, how do you do that on your own? Like, that's terrifying yeah. to me, you know, making those big decisions for like a 50 person company. And yeah. uh, he said it is. And he actually, so his his advice is for anyone that is, um, you know, do it on their own is to have a, a, a business coach or a mentor. Um, and that's what he has. He has a, essentially a business coach slash mentor that he has regular meetings with, and he sits down with this person. Um, it does exactly what you just said is, is bounce ideas off of get feedback. Did I, you know, what do you think about this? Did I do this right? What are your thoughts? You know, just to get that different perspective from someone who, you know, truly understands running a business. And I thought that was brilliant. You know, it kind of fills that yeah. gap where you don't have to necessarily bring in a partner, but you can still get that expert advice and, you know, thoughtfulness from someone who's been there and has done it. So it's, it's good advice. I think to, to find that, that person, whether it's a mentor or close friend, or maybe it is like a, you know, a professional like business coach. That's awesome. That's a great idea. Corey, do you want to, cause our, our story is a little bit different. Corey and I started off as solopreneurs. We each had our own successful web design businesses. And then we came together I it was I was probably only a year into my journey when we partnered up with Aspen Grove Studios, but I'll let you kind of share our our experience and stuff with that. Yeah, I, I actually um, well my, my first my first go around was actually in um, 2007, and we had a kind of more traditional um, design and marketing agency, and this was in 2007 2008. Real estate market crashed. People weren't buying print ads, huge like full page magazine ads. So we, we kind of realized, um, my partner and I at the time, that we had to make the transition into web. And neither of us really knew anything about web at that time. And um, and Brad, you know, at, at that time, WordPress was a lot, it was a different beast. <laughs> it's, uh, it's come a long ways uh, since then. So we, you know, at the time hired, we hired a front end designer. We had a, a back end developer and... We were, we were pretty successful. I, I, I think where we were um, missing out was just on like the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, project management. Um, we built some awesome websites, but we didn't think like recurring revenue, different things like that. Um, so I, I, I um, moved to Arizona. Um, let me see. This is about 2011. I went back to the um, you know, working, working for a company. I worked as a, a marketing and communications director for a nonprofit, did a few other things. And then um, we had a, a son on the way and I decided I didn't want to work a full-time job anymore. So I just one day, um, I, I, I had been polishing up on my WordPress skills, but one day I just decided to quit my job and uh, Bless my wife. She was totally fine with it. <laughs> like you do when you have a, a kid on the way. Yeah. yeah you, most people do the opposite. The way, they go you, know, for you, have, you have all these, you have all these bills and just decide you're going to like, you know, quit <laughs> so um, I, I had some uh, steady kind of retainer work at the time and I was getting, you know, a couple, couple websites a month and, and they were within my skill set, which I, I'm not, I'm not a full on designer. I'm not like a full on developer. So I'm like in this middle ground of like, sites that function they don't look awesome um and they're not you know fully customized but they're they're great for for most clients um so then divi came along um i had been a elegant themes user 
for, for quite a long time. Divi came along, these awesome Facebook groups, uh, just became this huge, like massive community. David and I met, um, and we started kind of brainstorming, like, like you, like you were saying, um, Brad, like have a person to bounce stuff off of, uh, David and I at the time would just have calls, talk to each other, bounce ideas off each other. And then, and then we started collaborating somewhat on projects. We were sharing a mutual um, developer who had the skill set that neither one of us had. And then it kind of morphed into where we are now. And I'll let David kind of cover that since uh, I've been talking for a while now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I don't, I definitely was not expecting to grow an agency. You know, I was just looking at our our Slack channel to see, because I don't know how many team members we have total, because sometimes they come and go when you have a company and stuff. But we've got 13 people that work with us full-time. That's their full-time job, you know. And then we upwards of 20 to where they've they contract with us. And if you would have told me that, three years ago when Corey and I started talking to each other, when we decided to form Aspen Grove Studios, I would have told you you're crazy. There's no way in the world we would, we would even entertain something like that. But, you know, I'm going to kind of talk about both points, both questions that were covered and stuff or asked at least, and kind of focus on the second one. You know, when do you know when it's time to scale and stuff? I love what Brad said about, you know, finding the gaps in your business. I've been very aware of the pain points that we've had for growing our business. I know what we want to do. I know what we want to achieve. I know what our strengths are. I know where our weaknesses are. Um, I think my first tip would be, you know, if you find somebody that has a strength that you have a weakness in your company that you need to feel, don't be afraid to act, you know, um, even if it, you don't feel like it's the right time, because I can tell you, Corey and I operated very, very lean <laughs> the first couple of years from a business standpoint. We barely paid ourselves anything. I think about it now and it's like, man, we were like poverty level. We never did it. You know, we like took every penny we made and like reinvested it into the company to, to put in those, those weak, you know, links that we had in our company and stuff. So um, I could talk for days about how our company was formed and stuff, but I met an awesome dude on Facebook who were like an old married couple. We click, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and we, we've done really well together. He's, he tempers me. I'm the out the box, crazy partner. Who's got a million ideas and, and wants to get you, them done. David. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> Corey, Corey is the, he's the very, <laughs> focused and you know calm and let's check this one off and you know so we we temper each other really well and stuff i know brad's got a partner um i do want to hear about sarah's journey too because sarah's got a pretty fabulous one as well i've watched hers well um i definitely started as a solopreneur i probably have been solo for um I would have started 2004 no 14 2014 yeah, 2014. Um, in, yeah so 2014 in web design um I previously had done graphic design 
and um, got into web. I started to learn web um, when my son, I had had a son and I was on maternity leave. Anyway, so I started solo and I was doing that for quite a long time. Um, and I just slowly built up my business. I worked um, at night times while I was working a full-time job for a year. So my goal was to build a portfolio over one year. And so I built maybe, I don't know, eight websites, seven websites over that whole year. Um, so it was pretty slow going and I was very new to it all. I was new to WordPress. I was, you know, kind of trying to make it up as I went. Um, I was doing very cheap rates, um, but I was working a job. And so the idea was that I would just do it at night times with the goal that after a year, I would quit my job, hopefully, um, and I did. And that first year was really hard. <laughs> and like you say, I wasn't making very much money, um, but I was making enough. I had a goal for every month of what I would bring into our family account, which was way, way, way less than what I was earning with my um, previous job. But, um, you know, I just had to take that leap at some point. But then I was solo again for, I don't know, Three, like it's really only been in this last year, I would say, that I've started to consistently work with other people. I dabbled a little bit, had a designer friend do a couple of designs for websites, and I had a dev friend from the Divi Facebook group um, do a couple of things for me. But I, uh, like, I was very nervous, very, very, very nervous, even about like I wasn't hiring them, I was just literally like saying hey can you do this I can pay you this much per hour like you know but because my journey has been kind of like this where I step up what I'm taking on and or I invest differently in my business it's always been like just when the money starts to be like yeah I'm like comfortable all of a sudden I'll be like and now I'm going to invest in this thing and all of a sudden I'm like oh my god I've got that money (laughs) and so I feel like like my whole journey has been like that and so this last year I was starting to get really, I was having tons of work to the point where I could not take on any more work. Um, and, but the money felt like I was able to bring in the money I had promised every, every month I was fine and I was ahead of the game and I was feeling like this is really good. And then I thought I just can't take on the work. And I had a different designer friend. I said, I'd like you to come on and do designs if you've got the time. And so she has come on and she is doing all the designs. So for me, I like, even though design was my background, the design of the website has always been the thing that I procrastinate on the most. So for me, that was the question of, it was both, I couldn't, I couldn't do it all myself anymore. I couldn't like fill my load any further. So at that point I was like, well, I cannot take any more websites on. Um, but then the other question was, well, what am I willing to hand over? And for me, I always felt mega stressed about the design even though it was my background it was the bit that I would feel like I'm just gonna like I'm not good enough what am I doing everyone else is doing such a better job like that was the thing that would get my mind swelling and swelling and swelling and the thing that I could just sit at my computer for hours for was just building the website and I enjoyed the process and actually bringing on Sophie has been fabulous because I, I should say I don't actually hire her at the moment I would love to hire her in the future, we've also tentatively talked about I, I would be open to becoming business partners with her. I think we're a good match, but I'm just going to, like, play it by ear. So we're taking the slow game, like slow, slow, slow game. But at the moment, I pay her per hour. 
Um, and the idea is that when I have a website, I give her a heads up. I say, hey, I've got this website coming. It's this size. Can you take it on? She says yes, which is great. And then she takes on that website and I pay her per hour and we just keep updates. But And then I build it. But the great thing is she's a great designer. Like she has so much more experience with me. She's worked in agencies before and she loves it because she can work from home, which is great. She's got kids at, we've got kids at the same school. And it works really well because she pushes me so hardcore with my like building capabilities and I love it. Like it makes my building even more interesting. And so for me, it was a surprise that it's made our quality so much better and it's made my job more fun because building the sites is now more interesting because I would design for what I knew I could pull off, whereas she designs and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pull that off. But okay, that sounds great. Um, so yeah, for me, that was the stepping point and that's where I'm at at the moment. And I don't know what the future holds. I mean, at some point I might take on another dev in the same capacity where they can help me build and I just pay them per hour. At some point, I know I need to hire, hire Sophie full-time because I'm going to lose her. <laughs> like I don't have anything to back me. Like if she decides nah, I don't have time this month or I don't want to do it. Like she doesn't have to, like she can just bugger off. And all of a sudden the person that's helping me, like I'm so reliant on her now that I've suddenly realized I'm at this point where I have to be really careful. I have to look after her so well because she's my one person. And if she disappears, the quality of the designs of our website, I'm going to need to find someone else because I am not as good as she is. Um, and so that's almost a more scary position to be in, but also there's the thing of, I feel, even though we don't have a formal arrangement, I feel the weight of making sure I have enough work that she's going to get some income because even though it's not formal, she's been getting a certain amount of money every month. Sorry. And I'd like to continue that. And if I stop giving work to her, then she's going to go find work somewhere else. So I think I'm in a funny position at the moment where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight and I really want to make it work, but I have to make a lot of choices to, to hold on to her. I think. Sophie, if you're watching this, you're good. (laughs) We have had discussions. We actually have had discussions about it and I've been very open with her because I'm making it up as I go. Like I know I probably should have a business coach, but like, I have just made it up as I go and I take a step when I feel comfortable and it always takes me out of my depth, but I still make that choice. It's still me saying, okay, I think at this point I'm ready to take that next step. And sure. A lot of people would have grown two years before I did, but I didn't feel ready and I'm okay with the fact that I've grown slower and maybe I haven't made as much money as other companies have made, particularly in the Divi space. Like I, I, I've enjoyed being a solopreneur and I've enjoyed the process and yeah, I've taken it really slow Um, and I'm okay where I'm at, but I'm also very aware that I'm going to have to be very intentional in the future, whether I hire her, bring her on as a partner, whether I start getting other people, I don't know, but yeah, I'm at an interesting crossroads. Yeah. That's a great motivator is having, whether it's one or (coughs) 13 people who, uh, who depend on you to, yeah. Uh, to pay their income, feed their families. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's a good driving motivator and it, it, it is a good feeling. But I mean, when you wake up in the morning, 
it's it's what you think about you know we got to get up we got to do this because we got not only ourselves um but we have other people depending on on what we're doing today and, and their families too yeah and also your point sarah of um <clears throat> if sophie were, were to disappear um i i don't think it really matters maybe you know maybe, maybe if you're up in the thousands of employees but i mean for us even though we're so large we have those we have those employees everybody on our team has that key part to where if somebody yeah. were to just like take off yeah. um it would be a huge hit and we, and we realize that and we you know, we are very thankful of our employees there. We have a great team. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no matter the size you are, you're going to have those people who, if they just up and leave one day, it's going to hurt. Yeah. 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 As you're talking, Sarah, it made me realize that we kind of have uh, various levels of scale. I'll call it, uh, you yeah. know, Sarah, you're, you're starting out with, with scaling and bringing Sophie on and everything. I have uh, two full-time team members and two part-time contractors and David and Corey, I'd say you guys have like a, a small to mid-size uh, agency and then Brad has the, the mid to, to large agency. So we kind of have various uh, different levels of experience with scaling and, and everything, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, but it leads me to a question. Um, this is something that I've been uh, kind of struggling with and, and, and wanting to, to get some answers to, and that's contractors versus team members. And so, um, as I mentioned, I have two full-time team members that they don't do anything else, but, but work for, for me. And that's great. And then I have two, uh, part-time devs, a front end and a back end dev, um, and they're consistent. So they're like, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week, uh, every single week, but they have other clients, other projects that they're working on Their Their focus is split. Their, um, their loyalty is split. And so, uh, I guess for you, you guys, Brad, David, Corey, what's kind of your opinion on team members versus contractors and how do you um, basically decide, you know, when to transition someone to a team member and kind of the, the pros and cons of both of those? Brad, you go first. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the natural progression. I think for most companies, like you don't start out hiring people full time, like your first hire is probably not a salaried employee with benefits, yeah. you know, it's right. probably you know, Hey, I need someone for five hours or 10 hours. And then that need grows over time. I mean, we, we had a transition. This has probably been six or seven years ago where our whole company was all, you know, hourly and it had just organically grown from hiring people part-time to where they were full-time, but they were still hourly. Right. And then we, we made the decision to flip everybody over to salaried employees. And, and for us, one of the driving factors behind that was, um, getting the talent that we wanted, um, because ultimately you're going to have a hard time pulling in the real top tier talent, um, with hourly work and without, you know, competitive benefits and things like that. And we had hit that point where we just weren't getting the applications and the, and the level of developer we needed. It doesn't mean they're not out there. They're just harder to find, you know, um, there's certainly some very talented, um, devs, designers out there that, that are glad to work hourly and that's fine, but we're, we're struggling to find those people. So, um, that's kind of just organically as we grew, we decided to make that switch. Um, you know, and there still is that time where, yeah, I mean, we could probably save money if we were doing hourly because there's, there's downtime, you know, and, and client services, it's, I always say it's peaks and valleys. Like one minute you'll be slammed. And then a month later, you'll have a couple people that have nothing to work on that's billable. You know? So do you um, pay the per hour people the same rate per hour as you pay the employed people per hour? That makes uh, sense. Things different here in Australia, and I don't know if that's just an Australian thing. 
It's it's I'm trying to remember where we're at. I think we ended up because not only when you go from what in our case from hourly to salary, there's also benefits, right? So there yeah. is inherent value. And they don't have to, to pay for their own gear and you know, you pay for their Right, gear. to having medical and you know, you know, paid yeah. days off and things like that. You don't get that generally with hourly work, right? So yeah. I if I remember right, I believe the salary, if you work out the hourly versus salary, I think that the hourly was better. Yeah. Um, you know, assuming they were working 40 hour weeks, you know, yeah, weeks a year, this, the hourly would also be better, but there were zero benefits. So it's kind of like, you have to weigh the whole package, which I honestly so think some people, the same people over, or did you then go and find people to employ? So you didn't have to like switch them over to a new. No, we, we switched everybody. So um, <laughs> okay. basically we had a plan. We put together a plan. We had individual discussions with every single employee um, and essentially I gave them an offer. Um, so it was more of, this is the offer based on where you're at and the type of work you're doing and where you're at in the company along with these benefits. Um, just like we would, if, if we were hiring somebody new, we kind of treated it like that. Yeah. Um, and, and overall it went fairly smooth. Um, I want to say we were probably around 10 or 12 people at the time when we made that switch somewhere around there. Um, and yeah, we've been full-time ever since. Um, but so, yeah, it's, you know, I think it is a natural progression that everyone goes through. It's just a matter of what, what's, if it's right for you to make that switch. And, and if so, the timing is going to be definitely the the variables there. Yeah. I, I think for us, you know, what, you know, where I've always been when I come across someone that I see is very talented and an asset to our company, I'm willing to, um, you know, go ahead and make that commitment to them and and do whatever we've got to do to to bring them in to our company culture and stuff um tim you asked your question which was when do you transfer you know transition from a team to a to a part-time contractor or something like that um yeah yeah so for us what we've done with most of the people that start out with us even if i know their talent level is pretty legit we, we put everybody on a 90-day probationary period, and it's not because I'm evaluating them. It's also because I want them to evaluate us. I want to find out if they're a good fit for our team and find out if we're a good fit for them. Because if you find those relationships where it's a, a mutually beneficial you know, fit, then it, it just ends up working really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's kind of what our process is. We don't um, um, just, you know, go full blown, you know, offering somebody, some people are, are contractors and they stay contractors forever because that's just kind of how they want it and stuff. And I'm okay with that. You know, I find value in those people as well because they fill gaps in our company that um, we don't need to go out and commit a substantial amount of revenue to, to fill that, those, those, part-time things that we may need done and stuff. So do you feel that there's a difference in in quality between someone that's full-time versus like a part-time contractor? Not, not because of the time commitment, but because they're more focused just on, on your work, not distracted. They're able to, rather than just kind of check things off the list, they're able to really kind of, you know, get creative and, and dedicate themselves. I think for us, it is. I, I think definitely the people who work with us solely 
and I use that word loosely, we're remote workers. I really don't know what they do in their free time. They could be working for 10 other companies and I would never know it. Blackjack I think, dealers they're, I think they're only working with us, but I definitely see the quality of the people who are with us full-time versus the contractors. Um, yeah, so they're they vested, are, right? They're vested. They feel a sense of ownership for the company yeah. to do successful and do well. I mean, if you're if you're part time and you work with five different companies, sure, you want the companies to do well. But you know, well, if one one falls off the map, I still have four others. Yeah. Versus, exactly. if you're all in with a company, you want you want to do everything you can to make that company successful because ultimately yeah. it will make you successful. Yeah, and and the most you can really do is have that conversation with them. Is like you know, we you have an amazing skill set. We, we'd love to have you on full time. If, if we're able to, you know, come to an agreement, will you be working for us full time and not have other commitments? And really with, with a remote team that's scattered throughout the world, that's, that's kind of the most you can, you can do and, and trust your people. Um, you know, with today's technology, video meetings and, and Slack, there's, there's ways you can tell. And, and we've had, we have had people in the past that we may have second guessed their uh, level of commitment to us. You know, we ask, hey, can you have a meeting? Oh, well, I, I can meet, you know, X amount of hours. And they were just never there to like immediately uh, answer your questions or, or meet with you. And and, and so there, there's ways of telling and, and trust your instinct. But um, yeah, for the most part, when you, when you find that person and you know that they're filling the gap you need and then some, um, David's really good at it, recognizing the talent and seeing where, how it's going to come through long term. Um, do what you do what you have do what you have to do within your capabilities to get that person. Um, because when you know, you're going to know, and you know, it's, it's like that Eureka moment of, okay, this person's awesome. I need them. And just try to do what you can to get them on board. So. Yeah. And I think this guy down here, I scare the crap out of him a lot. That's Corey. I'm going by the YouTube channel <laughs> because I'll come to him out of the blue and I'm like, dude, we're, we're hiring, we need to hire this person full time, <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to commit to this much more commitment salary wise to somebody new. And he's like, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the chief business owner who, who still hasn't even ordered myself a new chair, even though like every now and then it just loses pressure and sleeks down. <laughs> uh, I'm that kind of person, but uh, yeah. One, uh, a couple little um, things that I've learned, I guess, maybe pieces of advice in terms of hiring, especially when you're starting out, when you're smaller. Our first hire, I mentioned he was a designer. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. We had no funding, very all bootstrapped. You know, we're literally like surviving based on whatever comes in the door. Um, so we got a little creative and we actually uh, reached out to local community college and uh, got interns. Um, oh, nice. had no idea what that process was. And it was actually super easy. Like we had, uh, interns over the course of a couple semesters. Um, you know, they learned with us, we learned with them. We were kind of all learning together. Um, and turned out our designer that we ended up hiring was, I think our third intern, um, nice. came in, was super passionate, was very hungry. You could tell just wanted to learn everything you could. Um, as soon as we graduated, we hired him, you know, and that was a quick, it was a, it was a nice way for us to work like work with people we'd never even worked with anyone before in terms of on our own projects you know so um to kind of understand how that process could work to find some good local talent um you know and see if there's a good fit without a real financial commitment or if there is it's probably very minimal um it worked out well the other piece of advice i would say is is think outside the box our um 
one of the one of our you know best developers we call him a design developer um justin sternberg you may have heard of him um he's the one that essentially built cmb2 um and released it uh he was a house painter he painted houses and his resume came in he was doing like you said sarah like he had another job painting houses and he was learning to program on the side and was just trying to get his foot in the door and we're like let's give him a shot and that's all he wanted was a chance and he just like blew the doors off the company i mean took us no idea i mean grew you know through the ranks was with us for like five years um made a big name for himself great guy um and i think i know that like 99 percent of the companies he applied to wouldn't even talk to him because he was a house painter yeah, look past his current job and see that, yeah, he's a house painter, but he's been doing this and grinding in the evening with yeah. small kids. And all he wants to do is, is have a chance. And we gave him that chance and it worked out very well for everybody. So don't always, you know, think outside the box in terms of getting started and finding those right people to bring in and work with. It doesn't have to be, you know, someone with a, you know, if you're thinking to start a company to hire all, you know, people with masters of, you know, whatever, or computer science degrees, great, you could do that. But there's also other very talented people out there that you could probably bring in very early. That's so I- awesome, because I think when I started, I never really wanted to start a business. I just wanted to build websites, but I <laughs> felt like I didn't have the background to be able to get in. Like, I just felt like no web company is ever going to hire me, because I've got no experience. Like, I just build websites at nighttime on WordPress by myself. Like, get real and I think I've been really lucky that I happen to have the personality that's been able to pull it off like I feel very grateful but I I don't think everybody's built to run a business and it's really friggin' hard work (laughs) and so you know there's got to be more people like you say that are out there that just want to do it but they feel like they can't get in the door so I think that's an awesome I think I think you bring up a very very good point because our newest employee has only been with us for a month, maybe. Her name is Anna, and she was referred to us by another team member. And when we first interviewed and we talked, she was in school for accounting, like getting her master's in accounting, you know, Zippo to do with web development, but she had your your painter guy's story. And Mm -hmm. because I value and trust this other team member that was telling me that I think she would be a good value fit for your company i said sure why not let's try it out holy cow anna if you're watching this you're amazing we love you what she's what she's done if if you're if she would have went with an accounting resume to a web developer's firm they would have laughed at her and never even given her a chance yep and she has, she is amazing of what she's been able to yeah. create. Talk to him, give him a, give him a shot, get him on the yeah. phone, do a video chat. Yeah. And there might be something there that might not be, but it doesn't hurt. Right. And I think it's, yeah. yeah, that idea of just looking outside the box. Don't, don't discount anyone for anything. Um, yeah. Just look yeah. at what yeah. they're capable that of actually, doing. That segues nicely into one of the questions I wrote down. How do you find people for your team? Whether you're looking for someone to be, you know, part-time, full-time contractor, um, you know, David, obviously, uh, referral from another employee, but what are some, some good methods and places to, to find quality, talented people? I'm going to, I'm going to start with Facebook. (laughs) Um, We, you know, our our company, David and I met on, on the Facebook. I I think it was that long ago. Um, And uh, you know, nowadays with how many different groups there are in niche groups, 
Um, within our realm or on Divi Chat, there's, I don't know, geez, guys, what, 10 pretty big um, Divi-related groups that uh, you can hop into. You see the people who are commenting a lot, who are very helpful, who know their stuff. You kind of all get to know each other. Um, and, and and then even, you know, there's supporting WordPress products. There's, uh, there's um, easy digital downloads groups. There's all kinds of places like that that you can Divi look. Divi Freelancers for Hire. To be freelancers, <laughs> yes, there's to be friendly. Okay, I'm <laughs> an admin extra, of that group. There's extra theme users, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's all these different groups, and you know, there's subsets within within WordPress and web design itself. And to me, it's it, it's a great place to look. And then, as you do grow, then you start getting the referrals from employees who know a person or know somebody who knows somebody, and um, that's pretty much where we found most of our our people through. Yeah, I'm I found my my support manager through the Divi Freelancers for Hire Facebook group. Yeah, Brad, I'm curious to hear your process of 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 talent acquisition and stuff. I mean, our our the, our process nowadays is is very different than what it was when we started. I mean, now we have a bit of a name for ourselves, so the majority of the time we just use social media and promote it. Um, every once in a while, for hiring someone, kind of because a lot of developers, you know follow us, look at things we're doing. Um, sometimes if we're hiring someone kind of outside of that bubble, um, like like in the sales uh, or marketing or maybe even a project manager, um, you know, we'll go post it on like a job site. Um, early on though, I mean, uh, our first few hires, we, we would post something on like Craigslist, you know? Um, when we first started, we weren't remote. I mean, we, we weren't anything, right? So we were just the two of us together. So we were hiring local, looking for people to come work with us locally, right? So we'd, we'd put things on, on Craigslist and get, get applications that way. I mean, our, our second hire, um, was a backend developer, Scott Baskard, um, which some of you guys might know. He's, he's the one that founded word sesh. Um, he responded to Craigslist ad. We were written this beach house winter, a winter beach house, which basically is a ghost town in the winter. Um, and Adam come over for an interview and he loves telling the story cause he shows up, you know, in a suit and tie, he's got his resume printed out. And I, I answered the door and like sweats in a t-shirt. I'm like, yeah, come on in and <laughs> interviewed him. And, uh, you know, like on the couch and it was like the most informal thing and gave him the job and he did amazing. You know, he, he worked for us for a while. He ended up working uh, over at Woo themes, um, for a little while. So, um, you know, whatever's whatever. If you're looking for local people, meetups are a great place. Get get together yeah. with your local meetup. Those are people that a lot of the people that go to meetups are like we've talked about, people that are trying to get into this industry and they're probably maybe do something else full time. But there's also a lot of local people that are still that are in the industry that you can meet and learn from. So just networking, like it's a crazy idea, but actually going to talk to people face to face is there's still something to be said for that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that scares me. Scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that we've done anything outside of um, kind of what's already been discussed with social media and networking face to face and stuff. Um, obviously, referrals would be, you know, probably the best, you know, most trusting way for if somebody refers somebody that's already working in your company and stuff. Um, I personally just I've always been willing to listen to people. I think that's important. I think uh, when you're looking for um, you know, to fill your gaps and needs, whatever that may be, uh, be open to listen to the, as Brad put, out of the box potentials and stuff, you know. Um, diamond uh, in the rough. Yeah, the diamond in the rough, you know. Don't be willing, don't, don't, um, 
I guess, depending on where your company is and what your needs are, um, I'm willing to do some things to see if it's going to work out and stuff, because, you know, even if there's a financial investment to me, it's, it's, and if I lose it, it's like, okay, no big deal. You know, I mean, I've, I've committed to lose this. It doesn't work out. Then I've lost this dollar amount. It's not a big deal to me. I don't, I don't worry about that. I'm more interested in kind of evaluating them from our company's perspective. And I think that's, what's important. Um, not what the world tells you, it's what your company perspective is and stuff. So, and you um, learn from it, right? So like in, any, like, I really try to take this to heart, like any, anything that didn't work out failure, whatever you want to call it um, at the very least, like sit down and say, what can I learn from that experience? And, and same thing, if you bring someone in and they just don't work out, well, what did I learn from that? Was there, were there signs early on that I could have picked up on? Were there red flags in the interview? Was that just completely, you know, undetectable, but always sit down and see, cause you can learn from that. And over time, I'm sure all of us here have just like with clients coming in the door, you know, we're, we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. Yeah. Right. So you look for those red flags and, and we start to learn and can identify like, you know what? I don't think we want to work with this person or this company. And we're, we're very good at that. And I'm sure all of us on this, on this call are, or this podcast are like good at identifying that with clients. Same thing with hires, like try to find those red flags, see if you're going to gel. And if, and if it doesn't work out, just learn from it. Right. Yeah. I, we, we definitely made a few mistakes uh, in the beginning and in retrospect that now I would have seen the red flags, but um, mm -hmm. beyond just, you know, maybe not knowing and, and being kind of new to it um, disparity and, you know, being in a rush to hire somebody can also, um, cause that to happen. I think if you're just in such a hurry to, to hire somebody within a week and you've got to get somebody on board and, and you don't have that time to, to vet your, um, you know, the people that are applying that, that can also, you know, be one of the things that leads to maybe hiring somebody that's not right for the job or for your company. That's, uh, that's, that's a big challenge. Stuff. <laughs> that's that's one of the hardest things that is is still impossible to nail down is it's like the chicken and egg scenario when do you hire you know when you know you have a potential big project coming in but it's not landed but you know if you do land it you're gonna need more more resources <laughs> more help yeah. like do you wait till you land it and then scramble like you said and yeah. rush to get someone or do you try to be proactive but then what if it falls through like it's it's the hardest question to answer is you know when chicken, I always call it chicken or the egg scenario because you know, whatever you do will probably be wrong, but you can uh, at the very least learn. <laughs> <from it. laughs> uh, I have a, a question. This is something that I've personally been been trying to figure out when hiring. Do you intentionally go for someone that's multidiscipline? So, Brad, you mentioned um, the the developer who's the designer developer. Um, do you look for people that have that you know multi talent? Cause for me, it's like, I'm trying, it's like hard for me to, in my brain, it's like, I have, okay, I'm going to have a designer then I need to get a developer and I need someone to do over here. But then I'm thinking like, well, if I just had one person that could do several of these things, like it would just make my life so much easier. So the unicorn, what's kind of right? the, unicorn. the unicorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> David has, we have all the unicorns on our team. We have the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Unicorns are, uh, they're out there, but they're we're hard snatching, to find, right? Snatching them up guys. Hey, how does, how does, um, what's his name? Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton. Here's the unicorn finder right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there, you know what, when we hire and, and, and I mean, this goes back a long ways when we hire, we, we hire for spe specific positions. So Justin, for example, we hired him as a designer, a front end dev, 
And that's what he was doing. Um, and we always have this kind of rule and policy at the company. Like if you ever want to uh, transition into a different role, talk to us about it. Um, and over time, he's like, he reached out and said, you know what? I really enjoy the back end. I really want to get kind of more into the the, the more advanced code. Um, and he was already proven he could. So yeah, let's do it, you know? And so then he was kind of treading the line and, and kind of grew into a unicorn, I guess is the way to put it. He didn't just show up as one, like they're out there. They're very hard to find, but we generally focus on a specific position and then we'll quickly identify if they actually have those skills and then figure out how can we foster that? How can we grow that? And, you know, so. And plus, Here's my, my... In some ways it's better when someone is just do like focusing on one thing, like as long as you've got the work for them to be able to do that. I think, uh, yeah, it's like some people get bored doing that, but for the most part, people are better when they're just doing like focusing on one area, getting really strong in it, getting like stronger and stronger and stronger in the one area rather than like, it's like when you're a solopreneur and you try and do everything, you're never going to grow at everything as fast as if you just did one thing. So, yeah. Right. And, and there, there's some, there's some ways to cultivate, um, you know, people in, into, a, into other areas, you know, as your company grows and, you know, maybe, um, you know, you hire somebody to do one thing and then one time you need them, Hey, can you do me a favor real quick and, and do this? And they do an excellent job at it. And, and maybe you recognize it. Um, a, a natural transition on certain things is, is maybe a developer um, who's building your plugins or your child themes maybe answering some advanced, uh, you know, support, support tickets. Um, so, so there's some natural areas, I think, to transition. Some people are amazing at doing a bunch of things and, and some people, and, and a lot of times it is um, backend developers or, you know, they have to be very hyper-focused on, on what they're doing and um, can't be disturbed a lot of times throughout the day. So I, I think it kind of depends on, on the, the hire and the position. Yeah, I, I think what's really, really important um, for the success of our company, when you're evaluating that talent and you're, you know, whether you're looking for unicorns or just one person that's going to fill a role in your company, I think it's very important that you, um, you want those people to thrive in what it is that they're doing. You want them to, um, to, to be happy and successful at the same time. We just came back from Sedona, Arizona on a, just like Brad and them were celebrating their 10th anniversary and we were doing our first company. So pseudo retreat and decided that we're doing this every year. And we're bringing everybody in cause it's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, one of the, some of the stuff that we talked about with kind of our team and stuff, you know, is the transition of, and I firmly believe is, is putting them into a position of where they can thrive and, and be successful. And, and if you put them in positions where, you know, just because they can do something doesn't mean that you should have them do it. Because like Sarah said, if they're not happy and they're not looking forward to come to work and stuff, problems are going to start coming up. So if there's something that you need, find the right person to fill it. You know, if you have somebody internally that can transition into that and they're willing to do that and they're happy and they're okay with it and that's what they want, great. But don't, you know, I've been with companies before I was, you know, started my own business and stuff and they would force me to, I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to go here. And you got to do what your boss tells you to do or you got to find another job, you know. And I just remember that feeling of like, 
this is terrible. You know, I mean, I'm not really enjoying this at all. And I don't know if our managerial style came from my experience of, of that when I was younger. Um, You know, I knew that if they would have put me in a position to thrive, I would have made their company extremely successful and, and just, you know, shoot to the moon and stuff. But unfortunately they didn't, you know, they just, they, they wanted to try to squeeze every ounce of dollar out of a human being so that they could make it for their company. And it wasn't, it wasn't what was best for the company. I, I love our company culture and what we've built. Um, you know, it's, it's like a bunch of friends working together and stuff and they like coming to work every day and stuff. So it's kind of cool. I don't know if I answered anybody's question, but I just wanted to say all that. Well, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're coming close to our hour. I can't believe an hour already has blown by. Um, do, do you guys, um, let's do this. I mean, Brad, we have a tradition of kind of parting thoughts and stuff. And every every member of the panelists will get to say a, a parting thought that they want to kind of wrap up with. Um, I want to say thank you very much for coming. I hope we'll have more Brad Williams in the future you know, for some other topics, if you'll come join us sometime, because absolutely, you know, every week, really... every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shall we start parting thoughts since we're right at about an hour now? How do you, what do you guys think? Sure. Sounds I can good. talk all day on this topic, so I'm sure <laughs> all day too, but yeah. our I have to get kids to school, school at some point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Sarah, do you want to start us off with parting thoughts, ladies first? Sure. Um, my parting thought is probably going to be very different to everybody else's parting thought. My parting thought is it's okay if your journey is different to everybody else's. Um, you don't have to grow big, grow fast. You don't have to feel like you have to leap straight away. You can, of course you can, but don't feel the pressure of the world around you and the people around you and the Facebook friends around you. I have some amazing friends who have like shot to the moon really fast. Um, and I have definitely felt the pressure at some times. And I just want to say to people, it's okay to take whatever journey you want to take. And even if it's slower and even if later you regret it, that's okay too. It's all part of your own journey. And um, yeah, just it, you are unique and that's okay. Awesome. That's a great parting thoughts. Who's next? I can go. Yeah. Um, so one thing, whether you're going from a total <clears throat> solopreneur to uh, uh, bringing on a part-time contractor or just outsourcing, you know, a, a single project, uh, something you'll have to consider an entirely new skill set is project management and uh, delegation. Uh, it's it's definitely a unique skill set, and it might be something that you're not good at right away. Um, but like anything, the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. Um, and that's something that I would say, parting thoughts is expect that. And, uh, you know, if you start thinking about it early of that process, and maybe, you, you know, you do a little homework to, to figure out good project management tools and uh, project management uh, tips or, or whatever, um, because, uh, basically, as soon as you start delegating, you, you take off your designer hat, if that's what you're outsourcing, and you put on your project management hat. And now you have to, you know, be able to uh, juggle, you know, those different projects and moving things along. And um, this is something I've seen David is, is very good at. Uh, it's a skill that I'm learning and getting better at. Um, but it's, it's not like uh, grinding away, building a website where you're, you know, 
you're not answering to anybody. When you're project management, you have to make sure that the people that are supposed to be working on the the project are working on it and, and moving things forward. So, Corey, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I think we covered a lot of um, you know a, a lot of the reasons uh, to scale and why you might want to and. I think a lot of people's first instinct is to go um, financial. Like if I bring this person on, then I can do this much more work and, you know, I, I can, I can grow my business. Sometimes it's not a lot about, um, you know, the, the income it, it's about like a work-life balance. So if you're up at night or over the weekend and you're stressing off something, or there's something that like is eating up a, a you know, a ton of your time and you're unhappy with find somebody to, to fill that gap bring them on board. Uh, if it's somebody who, who maybe migrates your websites for you, uh, who has to do it on a Friday afternoon or, or late or something, um, you know, f- find that person that's going to take that stress off you and help you achieve that work-life balance. And it's just going to make your life like so much easier. So have, have people smarter than you. <laughs> Basically. Brad. Or people to do the things you hate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Partying thoughts. Um, there's a good song called Black Sun by Death Cab for Cutie, for Cutie. And they one of the lyrics I've always liked is there's beauty in a failure. Um, and I mentioned it earlier, and I think that uh, it rings true because running, starting a business, growing a business is not easy. Um, Sarah, I think you mentioned it earlier. It's not easy. It's not for everybody. Um, there will be failures. There will be setbacks. You will stumble. You will fall. You'll make the wrong decision. You'll hire the wrong person. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it is a learning opportunity and the sooner you can come to terms with that and the sooner you can dust yourself off and move on, um, and learn from those experiences, the better you'll be for it. And I think professional and personal, right? Like I've really tried to, uh, hold myself accountable for that. Um, and I think when you really truly live by those words and I think, um, it just makes everything that much easier, right? You're going to fail. But at the end of the day, dust yourself off, get back up, go at it even harder and learn from those mistakes so you don't make them again. Man, these are some great points. I, I've been sitting here so focused. Listen, I hadn't even thought about my own parting thoughts. So <laughs> um, I, I guess for me, for, for parting thoughts is, is um, don't let fear hold you back if it's something that you want to do. Um, you know, surround yourself with people that you can talk to, communicate with. Like, as I said, you know, Brad and I chat once a month and, and I respect him. He's got a, he's been in WordPress for a long time. I've only been in WordPress for five years. And, you know, that type of stuff is invaluable to me. I talk with Sarah. I talk with Tim. Obviously I talk with Corey every day. Um, surround yourself with, with people that are going to um, support you you know, and tell you the truth at the same time and not be afraid to tell you the truth and stuff, not just blow smoke up your, your rear end and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's important, it's invaluable, and it will help you greatly if you surround yourself with the right people and stuff. And, um, I definitely feel fortunate to have be surrounded by the people who are the podcast hosts for Divi chat and stuff. I want to give a, a special shout out to one of our our, our um, host, Josh Hall, who hasn't been able to make it on very much lately because they had a new beautiful baby girl, Bria. Josh, I see you in the Facebook chat there. We miss <laughs> you. 
We love you. Gosh. We can't wait till you come back. And you've got a beautiful baby girl and stuff. So um, hope she gets home so, soon. Yeah, surround yourself. She's been in the NICU for a month now. So um, yeah, so it's you know surround yourself with the right people. I guess is my my support parting thought. Brad, thanks for coming on. Thanks for next having week, me. It's been fun. Next week, awesome. Next week we've got a, a another riveting topic. Oh man, podcasting. How to start your own podcast with Divi. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> it's uh, it ought to be a good one. Hey, baby. Until next week, we'll see everybody later. Thanks for tuning in on Facebook. Bye, everybody. Adios. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>